Welcome to 5 Minutes of Courage with Maggie Arndt. This podcast focuses on God's Word, the Bible, and how much God loves you. Our goal is to show you throughout Scripture how loved and valued you are by the God of the universe. 5 Minutes is all you need to be filled with hope, joy, purpose, and yes, courage. Now here's your host, Maggie Arndt. everybody. Welcome back to 5 Minutes of Courage with me, Maggie. Today we find ourselves in the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John, and Jesus is in Galilee. He's there with his brothers, his actual brothers. If you remember that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote a later book in the New Testament, but he had brothers. We don't know how many, but um, it is biblical that Jesus grew up with siblings, which is kind of fun. And they were in Galilee, but Jesus was making it really clear that he'd like to steer clear of Judea because that were that was where the Jewish leaders were gathering, and there were many of them who'd had it up to here with Jesus and wanted were plotting his death, and so. He was saying, you know what, I understand that the Jewish festival of shelters, also known as the festival of booths or the feast of tabernacles, all the same thing, three different names, same festival. Um, it, It was sometimes called the festival of booths because people would come and they'd actually kind of create a lean to out of twigs. They would sell their wares and they would stay there during the long festival. But Jesus knew that there would be people there that wanted to kill him. And he knew it wasn't quite his time. And so he didn't want to go, but his brothers were heckling him as brothers do. And they were saying, you know, Jesus, if you want people to think more highly of you, we've got to get you on a bigger platform. We've, we've got to get you into Judea, not just tiny little Galilee. And they're, they're heckling him for lack of a better word again. And yet, Verse 5 says, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. So what that means is they saw him do miracles, healings, really cool tricks, but they thought, Jesus, you know, if you could just take this onto a bigger stage, a bigger platform, maybe people would believe in you, even though they did not yet believe he was the Messiah. Now, before we get too annoyed with the brothers, because we do have the gift of hindsight, I have four brothers. I love them dearly. Each one of them is talented and gifted gifted in their own individual ways. However, not one of them has ever claimed to be the Messiah. And let's be really honest. Even if one of them had, I don't think I would be the first to believe them. Would you? And so Jesus's brothers did not either. It wasn't until after the resurrection that they then got on board and became closest disciples of Jesus. But at this point in chapter 7... They just think he can kind of do neat things, and they would like him to go with them into Judea for the festival. And he's saying, no thanks. And he tells them, now is not the right time for me. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me. And if you've ever heard the phrase to live in the world, but not of it, Jesus is basically telling them they have the luxury of living in the world And Jesus lives in the world, but he is not of the world. He is from the Father. He has a different journey that they just can't really understand. And so they go off to the festival without him. 
And Jesus does come to the festival, but he comes on his own and somewhat secretly because he didn't want it to be out in the open. He didn't come in the, in the normal caravan. And when he gets there, there's lots of complainers. Remember the murmurers, the complainers, and a lot of them are talking about Jesus. And some say very quietly, he is good. And other people say, on the contrary, he deceives people. And yet no one was speaking openly of him. And why? Because they feared the religious leaders and the religious leaders didn't want people talking about Jesus at all. And so they're being very, very careful whether or not they approved or disapproved. They murmured among themselves and there are many, many objections. And so Jesus kind of comes out to the forefront again. He shows himself and he, he walks up to the temple and he teaches. Well, what do people do then? You know, do you remember when they said, well, who does he think he is? That's Joseph's boy. That was a chapter back. This time they're saying, how does he know so much? He hasn't been trained. Have you ever felt skeptical of someone who maybe didn't have the right pedigree, who maybe didn't have the right schooling or didn't go to a good enough school, if you will? Jesus never pointed to his credentials, but what he did point to was his doctrine. It's as if he was saying, nope, I don't have a seminary degree, but do not judge me by my doctrine. The doctrine isn't mine, but it's from him who sent me. Jesus was an eloquent, gifted teacher, but he was not self-taught. Jesus was God-taught. And his authority didn't come from any man or any piece of paper or certificate. It came from God. God. And Jesus sought to give glory to God. And so what he was saying is the measures of a true teacher are two things. Does the teaching come from God? That is, is it according to the revealed word of God, scripture? And does the work give glory to God? And honestly, even in 2021, that needs to be the measure by which we hold all Bible teachers, and I mean myself too, any pastor, any preacher, any priest, does the teaching come from God, from God's word, from the Bible, and does the work give glory to God? No matter if they went to um, a local school or a very fancy prestigious school, if they are teaching you from the Bible, it needs to pass those two tests. And so Jesus says to them, why do you, why do you seek to kill me? You are the ones that are guilty under the law, not I. Well, in verse 20, when the crowd replies, you're demon possessed, who's trying to kill you? We need to remember none of these people were with him in Bethesda. So do you remember two chapters back when he healed the man, the paralytic who had been paralyzed, sitting next to the pool, waiting for a miracle for 38 years. None of these people saw that. And so they had no idea that the rulers wanted to kill Jesus because he'd healed a man on the Sabbath, which is why they asked him, are you demon possessed? Who said someone's trying to kill you? But Jesus's point is, if you can, can perform a circumcision as is required by the law of Moses and Leviticus on the Sabbath, if you may wound a man on the Sabbath, why may I not heal one? And it has to do with the fact that the law said you may do a negative work, take something away on the Sabbath, but you cannot make someone well on the Sabbath because that's technically work. Therein we see the conundrum. 
the people want to stand by the law, and yet Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus created the law, handed it down through Moses, and yet by sticking so closely with the law, they are becoming righteous judge, deciding deciding that Jesus appears to be a sinner and that they appear to be in righteousness. And the irony is they are wrong. So when you return tomorrow, we are going to pick apart the verses starting with 25, questioning, okay, is Jesus actually the Messiah? What is it that he is here to do? And do we actually believe him? So I will see you right back here tomorrow. Be well. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'd hate for you to miss out on even one minute of courage. Then share it with all your friends. If you'd like more information or would like to contact me directly, go to 5minutesofcourage.com. That's the number five and you can connect with me there.